First advice is to take equity. The second advice is to not every money is good money. And what I mean by that is um, there are a lot of people out there with money. But you want people with money and peop and and support. You need somebody who takes their money seriously. So when they put it in, they're ensuring that you get the level of support to help to turn that money. So I'm talking about people who can connect you with customers, I'm talking about people who can give you advice, uh, who can open doors, who can get you other people to give advice and mentor you. Welcome everybody to the Top Form Podcast. My name is Gerald Watkiss, and that's the name we're going with from here on out, Top Form, because all we interview are top performers, top industry leaders, top players, top movers and shakers. So Top Form will be carrying guests each week, and we'll be telling you stories about top performers and just enjoying an atmosphere of excellence. This week we have a guest who will tell us how to raise 350,000 US dollars to support his business right here in Jamaica. He's a young man, 32 years old, doing it big. And after the break, I go right into the interview with our top performer. This is Top Form Podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur? Then come to the Zadaj Retain Stiletto Weekend 2018. One weekend of fun networking and inspiration. September 28th, September 30, 2018 at the Rio All-Inclusive Resort Ocherios. Night 1, the All-White Beach Bonfire Party. Night 2, the Entrepreneur Symposium. And on Sunday, it's the Business Executives, Coffee and CEOs. Tickets available starting July 14 at Fontana Pharmacy, Ocherios, Kingston and Montego Bay. Or register now at Eventbrite.com. Contact 876-440-8225 for more information. It's the Zadaj Red Time Stiletto Weekend. Yo, 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 so Tyrone, what's up? Tyrone Wilson is our guest this week and you're going to want to stay to the end because we're going to talk about a bag of things. Mm -hmm. um, without much further ado, Tyrone Wilson. Yeah, how you doing? Tyrone, Tyrone, the, the Caribbean Journal named you one of the most interesting Caribbean persons or persons in the world? Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so what does yeah. that mean to you? Um, I mean, it, to be honest, it was a, it caught me by surprise, I would say. Um, you know, you're kind of, as an entrepreneur for me, you know, I just kind of have my head down and, and working and putting in, you know, um, the, the work to, to really get where I want to go and then to see. You know, somebody like Caribbean Journal kind of um, noticing that and, you know, being listed among some, you know, some very well-known figures like Rihanna and Usain Bolt and, and so forth. It was quite an honor. You know? so, so within the list of, well, of most interesting people in the Caribbean, Usain, Tessan, and Tessan Chin, Andrew Olness. Andrews um, and Tyrone uh, Wilson. That's yes. big. That's yeah. big. And what are your points of interest that they pointed out? Yeah, I think it was what we were doing in, in the digital media space. You know, um, if you can remember, 2013 really was 
what way you know podcasts and um, I mean podcasts have been around for a while but the popularity popularity of podcasts you know with the smartphones and tablets and so forth and just the, the mobility um, as, as pretty much you know back in 2013 those things weren't so you know well consumed as, 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 it, as, as they it are is today now. right and, and the digital media space in general was, 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 was low you know it wasn't much in existence it was still pretty traditional um, people are sticking to the newspapers and, and free-to-air TV and so forth. You know, Sportsmax um, was around with what they were doing with subscription and stuff, but it was a few years later that it got even more popular through Digicel Play and, and all of those platforms. So for us to be, you know, doing that then, you know, really, it it, it caught the eyes of many because, I mean, some of our ventures weren't as successful. Uh, but we were breaking through the online TV market and the original content space and so forth and you know the, the Caribbean Journal saw that and we were also pushing digital magazines and digital platforms so we were bringing a lot of companies digital um, in terms of content marketing. We're one of the pioneering content marketing firms in Jamaica and Caribbean so we were doing a lot of those work and um, it's really what they saw you know as a... Alright so let's this, this Backtrack. Um, where are you from originally? Um, where were when, you born? Okay. Well, what was life like growing up? Well, um, so I grew up in Kentaya, Papine. Um, that's Kingston, that's Jamaica. Kingston, Jamaica. It's an inner city community that I would say have a rural and urban mix. You know, it's close to. Um, Ligani and, and, and those areas. Close um, to the university. Close to the university of the West Indies and UTEC and so forth, but it's also close to Garden Town and those areas. So it was a, it was a, um, a in my view, a, a rural urban mix. Um, so, for example, you know, you jump on a, the bus or the taxi and, you know, right away you're in Ligani or you, you walk up the road and you're in the river, you know, you're, you're people there catching fish and, and, you know, a lot of those things. So it had a, a unique mix. That, that's where I grew up. Um, quite a few other... What was house life like in your personal yard or home? So, all... What was that like? Did you have siblings? Yeah, so it's the like the, the type of... It's a type of um, environment that you would see sometimes how people describe growing up in those areas. So, you know, grew up with both parents. Um, my father used to always work overseas from as early as grade three. Um, and then shortly after my mom started to, well, my mom actually used to travel before, but she, she was at Igla like early in a, a short stint. What's a Igla? And, and a Igla is someone who uh, at the time would, you know, buy and sell um, clothes in, in downtown and Kingston. An informal commercial informal worker. commercial worker, right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, and um, so my mom used to do some of that. So she would travel to other small islands in the Caribbean and buy and come back and sell downtown. So she was traveling before my father, but then my father now went to the U.S. Um, what, what year is this? Oh, this, I mean, when my mother was traveling, when she started traveling, I was in her belly still, you know. <laughs> I was 84, 85. Yeah, so this was 80, 86. Um, so when she was pregnant with me, she was traveling. So from around 84, up to 85, 86, um, until after I was born, I think she, I'm not sure she was still doing it then. Um, and then 
it's been around eight years later or so in the early 90s my father started traveling um, and you know in Kentai it was you know, a one bedroom with my younger brother who is five years five years younger than me uh, one bedroom four of us but in the yard you know it's one of those yard where you have other rooms so my cousins um, lived there too it was their father's house and my mom we stayed there uh, and so forth and um, yeah, it was just that you know, it was a nice everybody was yeah, close everybody was close everybody was loving supportive um, which school you went to? I mean, I went to the, the best high school in the country, of course. Which Jama- Jamaica College. Jamaica College. <laughs> um, which is but, close by. Which is close by Kentau. But the funny thing is, I, I, I got to school in that area, entire um, schooling. So, Water Commission Basic School, which is close to University of Technology, and then Mona Primary, which is close to UE. Then I went to JC, Jamaica College, and I went to UE. So I pretty much did school right in, in that, that vicinity, district, yeah. in that district. Yeah. And Which so is a forth. fortunate thing. It's fortunate in everything. All the time. You we know, we used to walk to school in primary and basic school. We just walk to school. And then when JC was a bit further down, so yeah. um, we took but the bus. But you could walk to But JC. we could walk, yeah. Sometimes we walk from school. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's in the evening now. And you and your friends and everything, you kind of idle and just walk and talk and get in trouble and those things, you know. So, um yeah, it was, you know. So you quite, were a troublemaker? No, I mean, when you're in groups, when I was boys school, naturally, you're going to get into trouble. There's going to be some form of influence, but it wasn't anything, you know, extreme mm-hmm. for us. And, yeah. and did you know that you would have taken on a career in tech and media the um, way you did from high school? Were there any indications, the teachers telling you that you have talent in particular areas and you should pursue... Well, different skills well what i knew well when i was in high school i wanted to be a lawyer that was the first thing in grade nine and then um in grade 10 when i started you know the the cxc syllabus to you know pretty much the, the requirements ne- necessary to move from high school to university um i realized i had a knock for accounts I realized I was very good at accounts. In fact, I was a top student at JC. And now, doing accounts at Jamaica College is a special thing, right? Because we had, I would say, one of the best teachers. Um, not just in accounts, but best teacher. Big he, you know, Devon Lawrence, um, he impacted the lives of many um, students out of JC. Now, this is a scenario. In his class, every month, you would get um, an average, a grade average. And it's comprised of a final exam at the end of the month and a few courseworks um, and um, some homeworks and stuff. And then you get the average. Now, the final exam carries, carries a weight. Um, what he did was the person who get the IS each month would be named the prime minister and they would sit at the front of the class to the right and in if he that person who gets the highest in in the test would get a box orange juice now going at JC in those times 
you know, in our background and everything, buying a box orange juice every day it's a big deal. It's a big deal, right? <laughs> so uh, you get a box orange juice. So and, he bribed you. <laughs> right. So, well, it wasn't him that would buy it. It's a person who come last. Okay, okay, okay. He would buy mm. the bag orange juice for everybody else. And then the box orange juice for the person that finishes first, and the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're what is called, you're, you're the prime minister, right? And, and that happens every month. And I remember when I came in class for the first day. So he framed you or the winner in leadership roles. He framed Psycholo- us. The, the psychology of that also. Yeah, man, it it, it 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 impacted me throughout because that's when I realized. Now, how many times was, did you become prime minister? Well, my name changed from Tyrone Wilson to Fidel, Fidel Castro, <laughs> See, because I, come, I became a um, dictator, because every month I'm winning, right? <laughs> so might as well make it a dictatorship. So from as fourth form, I was writing Fidel on my, on my paper, right? <laughs> because I was just, I mean, I was just kick ass, you know? I can't say that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that carried through fourth form, fifth form, um, through the competitiveness in accounts, I was able to finish top of my class mm-hmm. in fifth form and top of my class in sixth form and those things. So, it's so you finish, you finish high school in fine style, superstar. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and then you decided you're going into university life. Right. Were you the first person from your household to enter university? Not or did just, you have not, examples? Not, not just that, but one of the first in the community also. You were one the of the first, first um, from the communities that came right, Yeah, um, we're back road Kentire where we grew up and um, one of the, I mean definitely the first in the family um, on both sides. Right, it was our first for us. Um, and this is equivalent to winning the lottery. <laughs> yeah, trust me because I mean, where, where we grew up, Going to university, it was close to us, right? Um, but yet so far, you know, it was walking distance to go to UE. Um, but the, 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 the aspiration or the vision or the ability to get there was like, a, a, you know, it was a lifetime challenge for many. Um, and to really Even get, though it was so close. Even though it was so close, they could walk through the gates, right? You could walk through the gates, but it was just so difficult for people in the inner city for many different reasons some that aren't tell us some of the reasons some, tell us some of the reasons that prevent inner city people from entering and accessing fine education in well, Jamaica yeah one of the first thing is is really just the cultural impact or the societal impact um, for people living in the inner city one you're not as exposed as someone else growing outside of an inner city community. So your dreams are limited to what you know, right? And then in our time, we didn't have cable early, cable TV and internet and so forth. I mean, I, I, I was, our household was one of the lucky ones to have internet, but cable took a while. I remember it was late in my teens when we got cable. Yeah, me too. Right? I was so, 15 when I got see? cable. See, right, about that age. So my father used to record cable TV. And like I didn't music even get videos. the legal cable. 
Yeah? Got like the bootleg cable. Oh, no. We, we, we were lucky. Um, entertainment systems like at cable company that established then decided that they're going to give people in the inner city communities um, cable. So you, you're saying even though education is around them, the inspiration... Yeah, the inspiration, and, and not only the inspiration, but the, just, just the general um, experience um, getting out there. I remember when I was in the, the, the ghetto, I started a club called Teens Recreational Club. And the focus of that was to take trips outside of the inner city, just that, right? We would come together on a night and we would, you know, have a little meeting and then we plan. So we go to like Apple Valley, Serenity Park, you know, just kind of get out there. That was so important, just as simple as that. So important to move beyond Ligani for us, beyond, beyond Papine, and yeah. really see what is out there and experience it. That's a challenge for people in the ghetto. It's easier now because of access to internet and so forth, but even with those access, they don't know what to look for. So they're mostly on music videos and you know all of those things, but they're not on the, these podcasts and listening to these things. Yeah. So they're yeah. still a bit misguided a lot. Let's not say a bit, they're a lot. Um, um, you know, and this end up being misguided and um, for us back then, you can imagine now, you know, we, we live in a valley. It's like a valley. And not getting access to any of those things. Really what you're exposed to is school. So when you go to school now, like a Jamaica college, with a diverse background in terms of student population, you get to connect with some friends now who yeah. are up and, 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 and they with connect you. with us also. Yeah. So they, they'll come in the ghetto, they'll see what is happening there. You'll go to their house, you'll see what, you know, and then just being at school and being educated and paying you, attention. Culture shock when you you visited all the time, a all the time, like, all the time. Yo, trust, me, trust me, all the time. When we when we when we'd visit, um, I mean, our father tried to ensure we had everything in the ghetto, right? But it was still the ghetto, and it was still limited to the, the technological um, access. So when you go, I remember I used to go country. Funny enough, my uncle used to have sat satellite dish. And I was staying at my grandma and I would go to his house like every day just to watch TV and you know, we take those things for granted today but yeah. growing up in the ghetto and not Big having deal. access to that, yeah. like what are you planning for really? Yeah. What you're inspired to do is what you see around you, you know. So when you live in the ghetto now and you see your 14 year old friend get a girl pregnant early and him happy about it and everybody else around him follow the same path what you think is gonna happen. You're gonna get a girl pregnant early. You're gonna be a child and still have a child, right? When you're around and you see the, the weed smoking is cool and, you know, and, and, and skipping school and skipping class, getting in fights and stuff and you see it happening and everybody doing it. As a youngster coming up, you think it is okay, right? That's, that's, the, that's, that's some of the challenges. So for someone to get up and say, listen, I'm going to the university they don't know what that is like there's nobody around them that they can say so how is you how is cast how is you tech you know what was that like for there's nobody and you know it it, it you depend now on the school system secondary school and getting access to those things going on school trips career days and and those things um but those are once a year you know so you can imagine you spend majority of your time in school and at home and you, 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 you're at school, but then when you go home now, you're going home to gunshots, you're going home to debt, 
you're going home to teenage pregnancy, you're going home to you know um, substance abuse, you're going home to a lot of things. So what you think happened there? The the mind start to get Clearly, influenced, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I've seen a lot of my friends. You're going to survival mode. You're going to survival mode, and I say I've seen a lot of my friends slip into that, you know. And once you slip into that, um, university is now further and further away. Mm-hmm. from your mind you're actually thinking about how oh, am i going to survive okay, tomorrow you want a quicker turnover. yeah like i want <laughs> some money and yeah. then you end up you end up stealing you, you know you end up doing a lot of things put your phone on silent yeah so you you went to university of the west indies um obviously you did well Tell us about that journey at UWE. Um, how did you approach college life? How did you even get into university coming from the community you're from? Because um, was it an economic challenge or are your community banded together and your parents banded together to get you through? Or student loan? Or how? Okay, so that was... Um, so university is a, quite, a, quite a, a journey, right? Um, I remember I was the first in my group at JC to get in. I got actually a pre-acceptance um, and that was pretty much you were saying you're in um, no matter what right and that was that was big for us big for me big for the family and everything I was the first in my group to get into as in the first in our graduating class to get into university as in get an acceptance letter from you and that was that was big for us because there's a lot of boys it's a, an all-boys school and a lot of us were struggling. Um, some were struggling academically, some were struggling financially, some didn't know what they wanted to do and everything. And it was a great time for us bonding together, getting those acceptance letters and everything and then planning the next step. You know, I can't forget that period in my life. It was, you know, you feel like you achieved something, like you work so hard and then now you're just down to September. Like, yeah, September was starting university. So um, I remember when I started, I decided very early that I was going to make um, a big use of my university. Like, funny enough, I didn't get in, into accounts. I don't know what happened. They, ex- they accepted me for political science, and I changed that to banking and finance after my first year. And um, I remember my first day at school, right, Damian Crawford, which is a member former member of parliament in the PN, people's national party now political party here in jamaica um i remember he was the president of the the, the guild of students which is a student representational body my first day of school the campus was locked down <laughs> i was part of that you were part of it yes but i was part of it at my college oh at your so, college so yes. we locked on every college you're right i remember that was my first day of school right <laughs> first day of school was locked I was, in, I was in second or third year at the time. oh okay yeah man that was my first day of school was locked down and yeah. the funny thing is and we were protesting teachers getting paid oh yeah yeah that's what uh, we weren't even protesting our issue. It was for <laughs> we teachers. Were Whoa. teachers getting no. <laughs> so I remember that, right? And the funny thing is, it inspired me, you know, just kind of seeing, because I'm, I'm more the rebel type, yeah. right? So coming in and, and seeing 
you know, who you are being displayed in front of you. It was like, wow, this is the right decision I make, you know. It's the right decision I make coming to this place. And funny enough, Damian Crawford and I are really good friends now, you know. Um, but it, it, it showed me a different level of um, ownership for yourself because this was a group of students dissatisfied with what was happening and decided to take things into their own hands and I know at JC if you ever did that you're you're out (laughs) because I did that and the only reason why I stayed is because I was the brightest in the batch they they tried to put us out yeah they they tried to remember we shot on every college in the island so I can imagine they did try but yeah so together you have a more powerful, you have a more powerful yeah. right so it was that spirit was I, I always even the prime minister himself called Damon. yeah and he hung up his phone on him <laughs> yeah, he hung up his phone on him and i don't think they have a good relationship since then no, they're good they're good now they're good they're good yeah. now. but but that... I, I want Damien on the podcast you know yeah man, we'll man. Talk about that. but yeah. so did you find leadership roles yeah man so so right yeah. away i knew that i wanted to be on the guild of students like from that first i was like that's where i want to go and I was there in my third final year. I was um, the publications chairperson for the guild, which is an appointed post, um, very strategic. I wasn't into the whole election thing. Um, I mean, even though I had it in me and I could have the level of charisma and, and everything, I, I guess I, I was just wasn't ready. I didn't have the level of popularity at the time. I had a friend who I was supporting who was very popular he won the, the cultural and entertainment affairs chairperson and strategically I supported the president and a couple other people. So that was the one appointed post on the executive and because I've supported those winners, <laughs> they appointed me. So I was on the executive with them and um, that was great. I, I, I would say I, I did way better at leadership than I did at my schoolwork. I actually forgot I was at university to study. <laughs> so um, because earlier, you know, I just decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So the chairperson, publications chairperson committee on the guild is a media um, company really in itself. A media company. You're responsible to do the student newspaper, um, the campus beat, the fresher guide, the PR papers, everything. So I was running a media company for a year when I was on the kill, and that kind of prepared me to start in my own company. Right. And when you ventured out, um, you started. What's the name of your company again? E-Media Interactive Group. E-Media. Um, E-Media came in as you said um as the underdog things not going like you had to start things and introduce companies to different ways of doing things and then you managed to raise 350,000 US dollars okay. tell us about that process and how that happened okay so the the, the investment came about 3 years later in the journey um after starting up the business and i remember um you know as when I was starting up, I wasn't known, you know. Um, still, even though I went to university and so forth, you you created a lot of connections, but sometimes it's just limited to the whole university community. It's hard to break through and then go into corporate and, and those things. So there are still levels that you have to pass, which, is, which sometimes is very um, frustrating in Jamaica, you know. Um, but How I, did you maneuver that? So, I mean, for me, I'm always, how, how, I, how I think through life 
is I look at the steps and look at the way around the steps. So I want to know what will it take, but then I'm always looking for the shortcuts. Not shortcuts in a, an, an unethical way, the most efficient but the most way, efficient yeah. way to move to the next level and to do it before your peers. And I'm always competitive, so I'm always thinking, okay, I want to be the first, this is the first, that. You know? So I'm looking at, okay, what do I need to do? So for me, while I was studying, I was establishing corporate. Uh, while I was studying, I was establishing corporate connections. So I was um, a vice president at the JCO Boys Association for the UA chapter, and, that, and then that gave you a link in to the, the general association. So right away you start to network and everything. But I remember when I finished university, I never had much. I was broke because I tried a few ventures and they failed. I was very broke. And um, tell us some of them. So tell us some of the ventures so, you tried. Um, I started a company called Ezone, right? And that company was we built computers. So we'd buy the parts. I would find somebody who was able to make the computers, and would sell back computers to students. Um, during the time at university, the laptop and so forth wasn't very popular. I remember I was one of the only persons in class using a laptop. Like a lot of the students there were computer labs and, and so forth. So I saw an opportunity to build some computers. And then we started doing that and then I introduced, I was one of the first people that introduced jump drives to the campus. So. I was writing for the Youth Link newspaper at the Gleaner, and um, I would use my salary. They would pay us, they would pay us 650 Jamaican dollars, right, per article. And I took over like a majority of the paper. I started writing everything because I'm that you know, I'm a hustler. So I'm writing relationship advice. I'm writing sports, <laughs> entertainment, career. Where's your you wife? name Where's it. Your <laughs> she's, she's over Is it. that how you got there? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was writing everything because I'm looking at again. I say I look at what the situation is and where I need to get. Yeah. So I knew $650 an article and writing sports articles alone was not going to give me enough money. So I started writing everything. Um, and I used that money to buy my first set of jump drives. And I remember in the summer, I was the person that sold the first set of jump drives to employees at the Gleaner Company. Right? And then school started in September and I transitioned and selling to university students, thumb drives and everything through eZone. Right? So that was my first real venture. I was making money from it. I was using it. I was buying clothes. I was taking care of myself. You know, With, I mean, the bigger part was my parents. But the, the, the daily things that you need as a university student, clothing and, and those things, I was taking care of those also. So, so, so tell us how you got I want us to get to how you got to company and the ability to raise funds. Right, so I mean, just those type of entrepreneurial spirits are moved from university now to start to network in the real corporate world. And I met um, Chris, Christopher Williams at the time, he was the CEO of NCB Capital Markets, um, a Jamaica college old boy. I met him at a dinner um, called the Carlton Alexander Awards Dinner. That's named after another JC old boy who was one of our godfathers of corporate Jamaican entrepreneurship. The dinner price was $5,000. I didn't have that money. Um, I tried a few ventures, as I said, they failed, and I was broke. 
and my mother bought the ticket for me. Um, she saw that I wanted to go and she, she got me the $5,000 and bought the ticket and I went to the dinner with the sole aim of getting an investor for my business. Um, and that, that happened, right? And, so you um, set that intent? That was the intention. As I tell you, I mean, everything that I do really is based on a plan, a bigger plan. So um, if you see me at, a, an, at an event, it's not by chance. Um, it's not that I'm at the office or home doing anything, doing nothing and want to come, you know. For me, I'm very picky and with my time and what I do. So I was going to that dinner, not because I was, not only because I was a JCO boy, but because I was seeking an investor. That was the only reason. That was the reason why I, my mom bought the ticket. That was the reason why I went there. And I got the investment. It was an angel investment. Um, came with mentorship support and advice. And, I, and that, was, that accelerated my um, connections in corporate Jamaica. And then three years later, again, through an event, I met Donovan Perkins. Um, at the time, he was the CEO of Sajikor Investments. And um, through that discussion at the event and everything, he, you know, he reached out to me like a week or so after that event. Um, and I thought it was about advertising because I was selling advertising in my digital magazines. And I, I went to the meeting. It was to meet with the, the head of marketing for Sajikor. It wasn't even Donovan Perkins. It was Tanya Miller. And I went to the meeting and the secretary told me that Donovan Perkins, Philip Armstrong, and Tanya Miller. So this is the CEO, the deputy CEO, and the head of marketing. They're waiting for me at Cannonball Coffee Restaurant. My initial thought was, wow, these guys are very hands-on, you know, <laughs> and advertising for $30,000, I'm meeting with the top brass. Um, so that was my initial thinking, and investment was the furthest thing away from my mind. And when I went into the meeting, you know, they were feeling me out. They were asking all of these questions and so forth. And, you know, I, I hear a lot entrepreneurs sometimes saying, you have to be careful who you tell your ideas and X, Y, Z. For me, I, I wasn't even thinking that. I, I just started telling them my entire plans. I didn't sign an NDA or anything, but what did I have to lose, you know? Um, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's the opportunities that take it to the next step count. So for me, it was... I need to take this opportunity. So I really just started telling them the plans of my business, where I wanted to take it, where I see it going, all of that. And, and you know, they, you know, at the end of the meeting or the end of me talking, they said, boy, Tyrone, the reason why you're here is because we've been watching you. And, um, you know, we like to, to take it to the next level. And I mean, that for me is like one of those moments. It's like getting into university, you know, it's that, feeling hard in sixth form coming back again really, you know wow you, you finally yeah you finally hit another ceiling um, that you break through to move into a bigger space because having that name now Pan-Caribbean Financial Services now Sajiko Investments behind me accelerated my growth as an entrepreneur um, right after that, I went to Richard Biles. Um, he's now the chairman of Sajikor Group. He was a the CEO then. Um, you know, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in corporate Jamaica, most successful corporate executives in Jamaica. 
um, without a doubt. Um, and I remember I went to him. He's a JCO boy. I went to him. Isn't he also the chairman of Red Stripe? He's the chairman of Red Stripe. Um, I'm not sure if he's still the chairman. I know they they were privatizing and everything, but that, I think he's still involved. Um, it was chairman for, for years. Um, we got and, to the same barber. Yeah. It's as, as, as common as we. Yeah. We get. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. It's it's he's you know he's amazing. He's an amazing um, person, and I, I went to him, and you know I just said to him again, that's me. I'm bold, and um, I just get out there, and you know if this is what I want, I'm gonna ask for it. And I went to him at a function and tell him I like to set up a meeting. His personal assistant knew me through an interview that we were supposed to do with him. Right, and um, it was easy to get the meeting. I remember I pitched to him there, show him what we're about, tell him that Sajikor Pan Caribbean at the time was investing, and um, you know I like. What what exactly did you pitch? Well, what I was seeking as part of the deal from Sajikor slash Pan Caribbean is that I needed a chairman for the company, and um, I knew right then that it was Richard Biles I was going to. They, to be honest, there weren't anybody else, even as a second option, to be chairman for the company. I was locked in. Um, it's somebody who I was watching for years, even before I started the company. The dinner that I went to, uh, where I met Chris, Richard Biles was the person getting the award that night, Carton Alexander Award. There's somebody who I've been, you know, from a distance, watching and I just said you know that's the chairperson I want <laughs> and I knew why you know um, uh, and what was his response to you asking such a bold thing you know he accepted on the spot very unlike him he accepted on the spot then he went and did some due diligence to ensure that this person is of you know good character and so forth and he checked with, with a few people and called me back and said Tyrone um, you know um, uh, I remember that phone call too it's like that graduation moment I was outside my office at the Technology Innovation Center and he asked me if I'm aware of the possible conflicts and so forth and I tell him yes because Sajikor was investing and he was a chairman and so forth and um, you know he said to me um, you know I've thought about it and so forth and I'll accept your offer to be chairman for e-media. I remember that. And that was huge. That was bigger than the investment that I got because this is now, it's like you're getting Steve Jobs to oversee, to oversee your, your business. business. Yeah. Right? Um, it's just, and how important is that for a business to have a, 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 an overseer like a Richard Biles steering it, and maneuvering corporations? It, so it is, it is tough. I would say, as a young entrepreneur, um, you know, looking to build a business and grow a business, um, being able to work alongside um, somebody like a Richard Baz sometimes can be intimidating. Um, sometimes, you know, because as an entrepreneur, you still need to push your agenda and your ideas. Luckily, I had um, in Richard by someone who did not try to dictate where the business should go. He's just someone who would challenge your ideas to ensure the strength of it. And um, 
everything that we're doing now was as a result of him challenging the initial pitch that we made to him on the board and to ensure that the sound but there's a level of pressure that comes with working with um, you know those established minds in business because you have to also try to remain strong um, because your idea and, and so forth can't take second seat even to your idol you know um, you still have to push and I was lucky to have a board and a chairman who did not try to challenge our ideas but challenge how we're going to monetize them but I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who have had that influence and it, you know, sometimes it's for the good for them, sometimes it's for the worse but I'm always a believer in allowing the entrepreneur to figure it out um, because you're the entrepreneur, you know, you're there to support them support them, challenge them but don't try to dictate what they want to do but luckily I didn't have that pressure to deal with but I still had the pressure of that well-known figure um, but it was it was quite a uh, I mean he, he stayed on as chairman for six years we initially agreed on three and he doubled it <laughs> right and um, I remember even throughout when he was chairman of the economic program oversight committee for the government epoch he was still coming to board meetings he was at board meetings um, all of them missed only a few he was still available for one-on-one um, -on -one mentorship meetings and lunch he was available for the launch of our business ventures he was available for everything and he, he instilled in me a level of commitment you know I, I believe that's why he even though he accepted on the spot to be chairman, he still went and did his due diligence because I realized, uh, and it's, it's a lot more old school than it is new school because I realized a lot of young people don't take it seriously. But Richard took his commitments very serious, right? And um, if he was there to be chairman and he doesn't feel like he's doing a good job or being able to come to meetings, all the meetings and so forth, he would consider stepping down you know as opposed to just staying there and not doing what he's supposed to do he takes commitment very seriously and i learned that from him i think um, more than anything else i learned a new level of commitment so whenever i'm accepting anything you know I, I, i'm not quick to jump and accept i'll think about it because i have to really see if i'm able to commit to it i really don't um, like not being able to commit what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur who wants to raise 350,000 US dollars for their company? Well, first thing I would say is take equity, right? Um, that's one of the first things. We didn't take equity. And um, I think that's one of the mistakes that we made. Um, but it was necessary at the time. We took what we got because, I mean, we needed it, you know. But um, if so someone. When you say take equity, what exactly? Um, as opposed to debt, as opposed to a loan, take somebody that has patient capital, somebody who wants to put money in your business without the hard need to repay that money. You know, it. it I mean, a loan as an entrepreneur is like. You're tying a, an anchor to your foot, you know. Um, it, it, it ties you to this monthly, quarterly commitment of making payments. 
And if you don't, it's almost like you're failing. When a lot of times you're not, you're just not able to make those yeah. payments at the time. But the business is moving, it's growing, it's getting where it needs to get. Um, but then with that commitment also put a, a grey cloud over your head as an entrepreneur if you're not able to make it. And if it's from a bank, then they come in for everything. And if it's for an individual, it tarnishes the name and so forth. When really and truly what you're trying to do is to grow a business. So first advice is to take equity. The second advice is to not every money is good money. And what I mean by that is um, there are a lot of people out there with money. But you want people with money and, peop and, and support. You need somebody who takes their money seriously. So when they put it in, they're ensuring that you get the level of support to help to turn that money. So I'm talking about people who can connect you with customers, talking about people who can give you advice, uh, who can open doors, who can get you other people to give advice and mentor you. Because starting a business and running a business, being an entrepreneur is multifaceted. It's, it's a dynamic thing. And it requires, um, you know, as young as you are, you have to be the mentor right to your team members even though you're getting mentorship you have to be the decision maker you have to be the chief financial person you have to be the salesperson in a very, no matter the business if you want to start a lean startup have a lean startup then you have to be a lot um you have to be a lot to a lot of people and um if you're bringing in an investor you would like to divest some of that um, pressure, right? Um, so not every money is good money. That's good advice. That's yeah. very good advice. What's, what's next for you now? Um, well, right now, when you look at our company, we have two subsidiaries. We have um, Vertical. Um, that name is new. We actually haven't. It's the first we're actually speaking about it publicly. But that's the name of our creative agency. And our creative agency really is just everything creative, content development, marketing and advertising for companies, you know, um, events that, that connect with specific audiences and so forth. And then we have our school, um, iCreate Institute, which is a creative school. And we have some partnerships. One is with the University of the Commonwealth Caribbean, um, UCC. It's their Carimac. We offer digital marketing courses through the Digital Marketing Institute in um, UK. And we offer them here in the Caribbean and also um, in Florida, right? And what we're doing now, the immediate thing now is to really build iCreate. There's a lot of energy around um, growing recruitment numbers, delivering quality training. We have a, we have a, um, we have a 80 percent student satisfactory rating um, at iCreate and what we want to do is to really um, is to really build that out and, and um, grow it because we want to use iCreate to develop our Caribbean creative economy like there's a lot of opportunities out there that we're not even starting to tap into with the growth of Hulu and Netflix and and um, HBO Now and those platforms, people are looking for content. When you look at Luke Cage, an entire season was based on Jamaica and Jamaican culture. Um, flawed as it was. As flawed bad, as it was. Bad accents. Bad accents and everything. 
it was still based on our culture, right? And almost every movie you watch these days, Jamaica is just, just that our culture is just so unique. And, um, you know, as a creative region, you know, Kingston is now a creative city, um, I believe, by UNESCO. Um, and, you know, it's not just music. Music is tied to so many other things, storytelling, filmmaking, and so forth. So what we want to, to do is to use iCreate as a vehicle to really you know, develop, train and develop and nurture creative talents that can really go out there and, and break through. And we want to support them, we want to train them, support them and get them there. And we're looking around some partnerships with other entities to really create a collaboration in the industry to achieve that. So I'm, you know, my time is spent a lot on, you know, realizing the true potential of iCreate. Tyron Wilson. This was really informative. Thank you so much. Where can they find you on social media? Well, I think I'm on everything. <laughs> I'm on, um, on Instagram called Tyrone underscore W. Same on Twitter. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Tyrone R. Wilson. And um, I mean, I'm on Snapchat. I don't really use that. And Facebook, too, of course. And, and ma, ma, I have one question. Do you go back to Kentire to motivate kids that live there who are perhaps going through the same thing you went through? Well, good question. I mean, um, I have one, one working with me now in the company. And um, I mean, my friends from there still have access to me. I'm actually going there today. Um, you know, I don't have anything structured over there. Um, but... You know, we're still connected with all of our friends and everything from Kentayo. And we give advice and support to quite a few of them that have reached out to. But um, I think eventually there will be more structured um, programs. I've talked to, you know, other individuals like Agent Sasko, who's from Kentayo, like me, uh, around doing something. So we'll be, um, you know, launching out some more structured programs in the future. Yeah. All right. Cool. Tyrone Wilson. This has been Jerry Watkins Podcast.